0: morning, Harmony. How are we doing? Good morning. I should say Harmony and visitors, because we got a, quite a few visitors in the house this morning. Welcome. Uh, if this is one of your first times here or you just don't remember, my name is Luke Gradless. I'm one of the pastors here, along with Brother Joe Canalis. Uh, we appreciate you being here this morning. It's a special morning, not only because we're in God's house, in the most beautiful place in the world, doing what we're spent or meant to do, which is glorifying Him, but it's also a special church day for our family, is that we are ordinating two uh, deacons, Uh, Two men who have been serving this church and are going to continue to serve this church as they feel the Lord has called them to do so. Uh, We're thankful that you're here today. This is a bit of a challenge for me, though, because to be honest, uh, what I now have to do is a mini-sermon. Now, if you haven't been to Harmony before, I am not known for my brevity. It is not one of my strong skills. Um, In fact, normally when I get more time, I actually even go longer than normal. So I'm going to try to make this short and sweet, but uh, it was a beautiful beautiful kind of convergence of God's will, as we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And in the book of 1 Corinthians, what we've been talking about is how as Christians, we have to see everything through the lenses of the gospel. As Christians in this modern world, there is so much of us that have this, this mindset that we can segment parts of our lives off. And so this is why you see nowadays folks who will go, well, you know, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, and that means that that's a certain way that they act, or that they live, or that they function, but only for certain periods of the week. And so for a lot of people, they can be a Christian, and that just means on Sunday mornings, between 11 and 12, they're at church, singing songs and worshiping. But then there's a large portion of these people who then Monday through Saturday are living their lives in such a way that they don't look any different from anybody else. And in fact, as our culture has seen this, it's one of the major pieces of feedback that Christians get from non-Christians, is that we're hypocritical, that we don't seem like we're actually all in. Why? Because we show up at church, we talk about certain things, we say certain things, and then the rest of the week we behave just like everybody else. That is not what Christians are called to do. And so throughout this series, as we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, what we've been talking about is how it's important for every single piece of our lives to be looked through the knowledge of God's Word and God's wisdom. When you become a Christian, you give to Him all you have and all you are. And so that means that how you are as a parent, as a spouse, as an employee, as a citizen, as a person in every way, shape, and form, Now, become subservient to God's word and God's will. And so, as we've been going through 1 Corinthians, there's been a few things we've covered. And so, let me go ahead and catch you guys up to where we've been. The first thing that we said is the church is united in the word. And so, as Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, this is a church he helped plant, it's a church that he loves. But years have passed, and he's writing back to them because he's hearing that there's trouble, he's hearing that they're struggling. And one of the things they're fighting about, one of the things they're arguing about is style. Right? Some of them like this pastor named Apollos, some of them like Paul, some of them like Cephas. Right? They're arguing because the preaching style and the worship style is different, and they're dividing over this. And what Paul says to them is, brothers and sisters, that is dumb. Right? There are some things that we do need to discuss. There are some doctrinal truths where if we're on the wrong pages, then yes, we need to sit down, we need to talk through those, and we need to figure out how to reach a common ground. But on the little things, those shouldn't divide us. We shouldn't be divided because we can't decide if we want to sing hymns or we want to sing contemporary music. We shouldn't be decided because we can't determine whether or not we should have blue or green carpet in the sanctuary. We shouldn't be divided over these things that are not reshaping the gospel. And yet nowadays what we see, and they saw it back here in Corinth, is so many of these churches dividing over silly, stylistic things. And Paul's point to them is the reason I need you guys to be united in the Word is because when we look at his second point throughout this book, the church is going to be at war with the culture of the world. So you're already embedded in a culture that constantly is pulling you away from God's Word. You're already embedded in a culture that is going to promote and glorify sin, and then you guys are dividing over little things. You'll never stand. You can't fight this war on two fronts. And so the second thing that Paul has gotten into as he's gone through the book of 1 Corinthians, and this is a huge point for us, is is that these Corinthians live in a culture that does not have Judeo-Christian values. Corinth was a pagan city with pagan culture. Their beliefs on sex, their beliefs on marriage, their beliefs on money, their beliefs on all these things were completely contrary to the word of God. And so Paul's message to the Christians was, you guys got to stand firm. You got to stand firm because you're trying to put one foot in the culture and you're trying to put one foot in the church. You can't do that. Those two cultures are completely at odds and they glorify and look at completely different things. And his point to them as brothers and sisters, the longer you try to do that, the more you yourself will feel like you're accomplishing absolutely nothing because you are torn between these two worlds. Then the third thing we talked about is the church. And when we say the church, we're not talking about the building. We're talking about the people in the building. It is always to be growing and to be serving. Amen. And so as he's talking to them about the things that are happening, he says, another thing that's struggling, or I'm struggling with, guys, is you're no different than you were when I was with you. Two years ago, I helped you start this church, and I look at where you're at now, and you're in the exact same place. When I left you, you were infants drinking spiritual milk, and now I look back and you should be ready for solid food, and you're not you're still drinking spiritual milk there's no growth there's no maturity there's no changing why? brothers and sisters if we have the spirit of the almighty God living within us if the holy spirit resides here please tell me how you aren't changing that should literally be impossible to experience and yet again brothers and sisters this is something we see how many of us, if we're honest, and we look back to that moment we first became a Christian, can truly say we've come leaps and bounds in our maturity to where we are today? Amen. How many people do we see that they treat the moment that they became saved as the finish line instead of the starting point? And instead of each and every day working and growing and maturing and becoming more like Christ, instead they, they stay stagnant exactly where they were before. And so as we look at this, brothers and sisters, we get to this point in chapter 4 where he's going to continue to talk about service and why service is so important to us. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip with me. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says this, he said, Let a man regard us in this manner, as servants in Christ, and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you, or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. And so the first point that he makes here is the first point is everything is about his relationship with God. And so when we talk about this whole series where we're saying the gospel colored lenses, I I need to make a very important distinction for you. What I am telling you when I say that we need to be a people that look at everything through the lenses of the gospel, what that does not mean is, is that you need to memorize every piece of the religion. It means that everything shouldn't be about the religion, it should be about the relationship. Now, don't get me wrong here, because I hear a lot of young modern Christians say, oh, I'm not religious. I hate religion, but I love Jesus. I've heard so many people say that, and I just got to tell you, it's kind of dumb. And the reason I say it's kind of dumb is this. The one that gave us most of our religion is Jesus. So I'm never going to be the person that's going to look at what God gave me and go, oh, I hate that. That's dumb. I think what most of those people are actually trying to say is that religion without relationship has no value. Amen. And the analogy I always kind of use is: it's, imagine you find a husband and wife, and the husband remembers birthdays, he remembers anniversaries, he takes her out to dinner, he remembers her favorite things. But he really doesn't like her and he's cheating on her on the side. You can look at that and go, well, he's doing all the traditions right. He's got all the rituals in place. But do any of those things matter? In that case, no, because the relationship isn't right. He's doing the things on the outside that may look okay, but at the core, at the heart, it's broken. Vice versa, though, wouldn't we all think it kind of strange if we found a man who was unbelievably in love with his wife, yet he didn't know her birthday, he didn't remember her anniversary, he never took her out to eat, he never went on a date with her, he never bought her gifts, he never said she looked pretty. Wouldn't we also find that strange, too? If we found that kind of relationship, would there be something clicking in your head that goes, I don't know, this just feels a little off? Brothers and sisters, what God wants is is the marriage of those two things. He wants us to be a people that have at the core, at the heart of our lives, this intimate, passionate relationship with God. But then built around that is a structure. A structure of traditions. A structure of morality. A structure of rules that help us and promote us growing in that relationship and maturing over time. Now let's be real, anything in our lives that we really, truly love, we do this. Right? Anything that we really want to be great at, built around this, this emotional desire we have, is we start to build structure, and we start to build technique, and we start to build things around it that help us keep going the right direction. And so what Paul saying is saying, as he talks about this topic of service, is Paul doesn't serve to be judged by you. Paul doesn't serve so that the church looks at him and goes, Paul, you're amazing. Paul doesn't even serve so that he can feel good about himself. Paul only cares about one thing. When God my Father looks down at me, what does he see? And so the reason that Paul serves, the reason that Paul obeys, the reason that Paul displays faith is because he loves God. Amen. Amen. And all he wants is to be right with Him. Amen. And brothers and sisters, this is a huge thing for you and I to understand because to be honest, I think it's what a lot of us miss. A lot of us have come to church because something's broken in our lives. And what we're hoping is, is that in this book and in this structure, we will find the answer to what we're missing. That maybe if I open up this book and I read and I study, and here I'll find the keys to a better marriage. And here I'll find the keys to raising my child to be obedient. Here I'll find the keys to having a good financial system. Here I'll find the keys to being patient and kind and less angry. Let me be honest with you. If that was what your goal is, you are not going to find what you're looking for. This book is about pointing you to an intimate relationship with your creator God. Amen. And it is only after you are pursuing him with everything you have that you will find it is key that can help you with all those things. If you are coming to God for what He has and not for Him, you've missed the entire point. And that is what Paul is getting to as he starts this passage. Now let's keep reading. He says, Therefore do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the things hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes, so that in us you may learn to be, learn not to exceed what is written, so that not one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. For who regards you as superior? What did you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already filled You have already become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you would become kings so that you might also reign with you. And so here's what he's saying is the second part of service. The first key is service isn't about how other people view you. It's not about how you view yourself. It is only about how you are viewed by your God upstairs. The second key is you have to be humble in your service. And I'll be honest, this part's hard. This part's hard because at the center of all of us is our egos. Have you ever done something good and you're like, that was pretty good? I'm a pretty good person for doing that. Yeah? I never have those thoughts, ever. Now, literally, there are these moments where I have to remind myself of this, because I'll be doing the Lord's work, and my wife wants me to do something at the house. And I'm like, do you not see what I am doing right now? I am crafting the message of the Almighty God to fill the souls of the people at our church. Okay, let me go take care of that. (laughs) And this ego is so easy to build up. And what Paul's point is is like, hey, idiots, you didn't choose anything that makes you you. You were knitted together in your mother's womb by the Almighty God. He is the one that shaped your personality, He is the one that gave you your talents, He is the one that gave you your gifts. So you're sitting here with this full toolbox that you did nothing to earn and then going, look at what I can do. Aren't I amazing? And Paul's point to this is, this is like a tall person walking in going, I know I'm amazing because I'm tall. I work so hard to be tall. And if somebody brags about being tall, none of us applaud them. They're like, you, you were born that way. Why should we applaud you for being tall? It's not like you worked at it and Paul's point is that's true for everything right? and, and we don't see this but like we applaud intelligent people and I'm not saying that they don't maximize that but does anybody wake up and choose to be not smart do intelligent people wake up and go I'm going to be intelligent no We are built a certain way by our almighty God and what each of us has a call to do is use whatever we've been given to serve him however we can. And instead of becoming arrogant in that because we think we're awesome, we're supposed to realize that none of this have we earned. All of it has been given to us and in humility we use that. And so service is about our relationship with God and it is done with a humble heart. It has to have that at its core he continues on and he says for I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death because we have become a spectacle to the world both to angels and to men we are fools for Christ's sake but you are prudent in Christ we are weak but you are strong you are distinguished but we are without honor due to this present hour we are both hungry and thirsty and poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless, and we toil working with our own hands when we are reviled, we bless when we are persecuted, we endure when we are slandered, we try to conciliate, we have become to the scum of the world the dregs of all things, even until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children and so here 's what paul 's kind of saying, and I, th- I think it 's kind of brilliant he goes. In this path of humility, it's almost like God has pushed his own apostles down. The apostles ran through very rough roads. You're not going to go through the 12 and find any of them who ended up with worldly success. None of them ended up rich, powerful, happily married, and retired waiting for the, the day the Lord came back. All of them went through brutal, brutal treatment. And and I think what Paul's saying here is part of that reason was to keep this humility. I mean, think, is there a better trump card you could use as a pastor than I was handpicked by Jesus? Oh, that's nice. The people of Corinth ordained you? Yeah, there was a guy, you may have heard of him, Jesus Christ. He picked me to work with him. Think how easy it would have been for the apostles to be unbelievably arrogant in being the twelve but instead what Paul realized is, is while well, they had the special honor to be hand chosen by Christ that did not guarantee them a smooth path throughout life in fact for many of them it meant a very very difficult road and they would have never traded it but they also saw that that path that they had was unbelievably hard and so we must remember that when we serve, when we do these things it is not to gain the treasures of the world it is to gain the treasures of the soul It is to gain the treasures that only God can give to us. Look at what he says in verse 15. He says, For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ. Just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some have become arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills. And I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod, or with love? In a spirit of gentleness. And so I love that last point that Paul makes here. And I think this is a point that each and every one of us needs to take home. And that is that the kingdom is not about talk. It's about power. And to be honest, brothers and sisters, I think the modern church has reversed those. I think the modern church has made the kingdom of God about talk. I think a lot of people talk a really good game. And I don't think a lot of us are exhibiting power in our day-to-day lives. And what Paul says is, I know as I write this that there's some of you in Corinth talking trash about me. I know as I write this, there's some of you going, well, who cares what Paul says? He's not here. Who cares what Paul thinks? He's not here. And Paul basically challenges them. He says, I'm coming, Lord willing. And when you get there, we'll see who wants to back up their talk. And know that when I come, I won't come just with these words. I will come with the power that God has given me to lead my people. And brothers and sisters, I think this is an interesting thing. And men, I really want you to listen to this. Because I think in the modern church, we have so ripped out the masculinity of it. I think most modern Christian men think the goal of being a Christian man is to be a nice guy. I think they think the, the, the whole goal of Christianity is being nice, quiet, inoffensive person. And that's just junk. That is not the description you see in the pages of Christianity. That is not the example that you see in Jesus Christ, our Lord. What you constantly see in Christ is an unbelievable power that plants itself by the truth of God and says, I'm not moving. You can come at me, you can bring everything you've got, but I will stand here firmly on the word of God. And that's what we need. Notice, right after talking about being humble, he's still bold enough in knowing who he is and how God has used him to say, be imitators of me. Be imitators of me. He has gone through this whole thing to tell people, I'm not perfect. And everything I do and everything I have came from God. But he's still bold enough to say, but I also know this. I walk that path towards Christ every single day of my life and I run at Him with everything I've got. Amen. Follow me. Follow me. He is not afraid to put Himself in that light because He knows if you watch Him, if you see Him, if you listen to Him, while He is not perfect, no one will ever doubt where He's running to. Do you have that boldness? I How many of you as believers would go to younger believers and say, imitate me? Watch my example. Follow in my footsteps. Again, not because I'm perfect. Not because I know everything. But but what I do know is this. If you follow in my path, we'll get to Him. We will get to Him. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk of power do people see that power in your lives every single day there's a verse I love I I think we use it almost every single Sunday here it says that God did not give us a spirit of fear but of power of love and self control do you understand that verse That verse says that the Spirit that God has put in you, so if you are a believer, if you have come to the Almighty Jesus Christ and you have said, I give you everything I am and all that I have, and God has put His Spirit in you, that is a Spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Do you know what that means? It means you have no choice but as a believer to display power, love, and self-discipline brothers and sisters I don't know what has happened to the church but there are so many who are unwilling to say I'm those things and there are so many who aren't in year one month one or day one but rather decade one who are still going oh well well, I'm not ready yet I'm not mature enough yet I don't know the word well enough yet I'm not ready to be that example I'm not ready to be out there Brothers and sisters, this says if the Spirit's in you, that's what you have. Would the people who watch you every day describe you that way? Would your family, would your co-workers, would your friends look at you and go, that is a person of power, that is a person of love, and that is a person of self-discipline? If not, brothers and sisters, there's only two options. Either one, the Spirit's not in you. Or two, you have become so good at restraining it, it can't shine its light in you. You are actively fighting it. You are actively containing it. You are actively fighting against its work in your life. Stop. If we're believers, we are called to serve. And we do that because we love our God and we want to be right with Him. We do it with a humble heart because we know we didn't choose these things. We didn't build ourselves. He did. And we do it with an unbelievable power that knows God can use any instrument, even the dirtiest, oldest, and most broken down tool, to do the most amazing things. Because He is the master. He is the artist. He is the craftsman that can take those things and make masterpieces out of nothingness. So brothers and sisters, as we we move into this ordination, I want you to pay attention. Because there's a mistake that you and I tend to make where we kind of level up Christians. We act like there's rookie Christians, and then there's middle-tier Christians, and then there's those crazy Christians that listen to everything. And then there's those really weird people that serve on staff, or deacons, or pastors. You won't ever find any of that in the Bible. You will only find Christians. One group. The people of the way. Each and every one of them called to live the same way, display the same character, display the same power, display the same love. And so while today we will recognize two men that we feel God has called for this role and two men that we feel are exhibiting these characteristics, I want you to listen to these qualities Mm -hmm. because what you'll notice is, is they're not about unique talents, they're about character, they're about heart. And if these are things that we know our Father God honors, then these should be things that each and every one of us is striving towards. Before we move into ordination, I'm going to ask uh, Sister Maria to come up and sing a song. I'm going to ask Brother Joe to come forward. And we're just going to do a moment of prayer. I'm going to ask if there's anything on your heart where you just feel like you need to have someone else praying with you. Know that me and Brother Joe are here. Brother James will be in the back. And as always, if you don't feel comfortable coming up during service, please seek us out afterwards. We are here to talk with you. We are here to pray with you. We are here to help you along your journey. Maria.
1: Let's all stand.
0: may be seated. Brother Joe is real excited about what's about to happen because over the years as we've become a bilingual church, uh, we have decided on events like this that it's important for us to do them both in English and in Spanish so that everybody really sees the full significance of what's occurring. Now he loves that because he's bilingual, so he thinks he gets to show off. I'm not bilingual, I know very, very little, un poquito. Yo soy muy inteligente y guapo. I'm gonna tell this story first because I'm I'm afraid he's gonna tell it if I don't. And I've learned over time, it is better to hit yourself with your own jokes than allow someone else to do it. Uh, in, In AP Spanish in high school, I was writing a paper and I could write it about absolutely anything I wanted just as long as it was in Spanish. And so I wrote about how Jesus is the Savior and the Lord and that Jesus came to forgive you of your sins. Uh, The only problem is that in Spanish, there's two words that are very similar. One is pecado, and one is pescado. One means sin, the other means fish. And uh, my Spanish teacher came up to me at the end of the semester and he said, really good paper, but i got to be honest, I was confused for a long time. And I said, why? He goes, I just didn't understand why you hated fish so much. <laughs> you seem so opposed to it, and you thought Jesus hated fish. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not following. He's like, you used the wrong word throughout all eight pages, Luke. <laughs> so I share that so that Brother Joe does not get to share it with you. Get uh, away from me. <laughs> As we come here today, It's important for us to understand where the role of deacons comes from. In Acts chapter 6, it says, Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, who we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicornan, Timian, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying they laid their hands on them. The word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient in the faith. And so just as the church grew back then and the disciples found that the work became too much for them to bear alone, they raised up good men to help carry out the tasks that were necessary for the running of the church. And it is from this that we get the tradition of our deacons. Brother Joe? Voy a leer de Hechos, capítulo
2: 6, versículos 1 a 6. En aquellos días, al aumentar el número de los discípulos, se quejaron los judíos de habla griega contra los de habla armea, de que sus viudas eran desentendidas de las distribu- distribuciones diarias de los alimentos. Versículo 2 dice... Así que los doce reunieron a toda la comunidad de discípulos y les dijeron, no está bien que nosotros, los apóstoles, descuidamos el ministerio de la palabra de Dios para servir las mesas. Hermanos, dice, escojan entre ustedes a siete hombres de buena reputación, llenos de espíritu y sabiduría para encargarles esta responsabilidad. Así nosotros nos deciclaremos de lleno en la oración y en el ministro de la palabra. Esta propósita agredó a toda la Asamblea. Escogieron a Esteban, hombre lleno de la fe y del Espíritu Santo, y a Felipe, a Procoro, a Nicarnor, a Temón, y a Parmesas, y a Nicolás un proselito de Antia, de Antioquia. Los presentaron a los apóstoles, que oraron y les impusieron las manos. La posición de los apóstoles, hermanos, vino a cabo porque la iglesia estaba creciendo. A veces que se necesitaba más gente para ministra, ministrar. Dice, por tres razones se hizo esto para cuidar a los miembros de la iglesia así como la iglesia iba creciendo segunda era para que no se le quitara a los discípulos de administrar y predicar la palabra y también para glorificar a Dios enseñando un ejemplo de cristianos maduros así es que por eso se hizo la posición esa de diácono así es que Los diácanos son sirvientes Voy a leer enseguida de Timoteo Capítulo 3, versículo 8 al 13 Los diácanos igualmente deben de ser honorables Sinceros No amigos de mucho vino Ni codiciosos de las ganancias mal habidas Deben cuidar con una conciencia limpia las grandes verdades de la fe, que primero sean puestos a prueba y después, si no hay nada que reprocharles, que sirvan como diácanos. Asimismo, las esposas de los diácanos deben de ser honorables, no calmunidadoras sino moderadas y dignas de toda confianza. El, diá- el diácono debe de ser esposo de una sola mujer y gobernar bien a sus hijos y su propia casa. Los que ejercen bien el, diacon- el diácono se ganan un l- lugar de honor y adquirir mayor confianza para hablar de su fe en Cristo Jesús. El foco aquí en esta... En este pasaje Es que un hombre Sirva como modelo De un cristiano maduro De un cristiano De personaje bueno Y no son perfectos Estas gentes que se van a ordenar hoy Pueden fallar Puede ser que Que falle en un momento en esta área Pero si eso pasa Se arrepienten Y se esfuerzan Enseñando que el camino que llevan es un camino que los enfuerza también a ellos cuando hacen bien y cuando hacen mal. Así es que puede ser que sí, en veces echan malas, pero si acaso pasa eso, nomás recibe Dios que los perdone, los perdona, los levanta de donde están.
0: The qualifications for a deacon are found in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says in verse 8 of chapter 3, deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also be first tested, and then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. As we look at these characteristics, as I said earlier, the important thing to remember is these don't describe talents. Nowhere here does it say they must be the most articulate, they must work harder than anybody else or that they must have talents that nobody else has but these describe is what a mature Christian should look like and brothers and sisters as we call these men today we're not saying that they are perfect we're not saying that there will be moments where they won't fail even in these qualifications but what we're saying is that if you look at the standard of their lives if you look at how they live day in and day out they are examples of this faith they are examples of these characteristics The thing that we've encouraged both of them is, is that we know at times they will fail. But our confidence in them is that even when they do fail, that they will get back up and they will exemplify what it looks like to truly repent in the Lord and get back on the right path. Matt, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come forward and stand here at the front of the stage. Matt, do you understand the biblical qualifications that are here in 1 Timothy? Do Do you believe that not only have you been called by the elders, but by God Almighty to serve in this role? I do. And do you understand that in this role you will serve the elders of this church, the members of this church, but ultimately, as Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Knowing this, do you commit to stand for the Lord and to stand for this church? Now you can go ahead and take a seat. Brothers and sisters, it has been a great honor to know Matt over the years. The way that he has grown and the time that he has been part of Harmony has been awesome to watch. It's been awesome to watch because we believe with all our hearts and souls that God is a God of unbelievable power. A God of unbelievable love and wisdom. And we believe that when somebody has an intimate relationship with that God, there is no way but for them to change and to grow and to become more mature. And Matt has been an unbelievable testament to that. The way that his family has served, has become foundational to this church, has loved upon the people in this building, and the way that he has always been here, day in and day out, to do whatever is necessary to help this church move forward, has been unbelievable. Again, while he has not been perfect, he has always been willing to do those things that we have asked him, including teach the youth, which he was very nervous about. Teach the children, which he's still very nervous about. But the key with him is anything we ask him to do, as long as it's in accordance with the word, he says, yes, I'll do it. And that's what we're looking for in the heart of a deacon. Sabrina, we appreciate the love and support that you give Matt, Luke, and Adam. We're excited about the two young men we see you becoming. We're excited about this baby girl that held off enough to let us get through this. And Matt, we're very excited to have you as part of this church family. Thank
3: you.
2: Pablo, ¿puede pasar para enfrente, por favor, para ser? Pablo, ¿entiende las cualificaciones bíblicas de ser un diácono?
4: Yes.
2: ¿Cree usted que usted tiene unas cualificaciones esta en su vida? Sí. ¿Sabe usted que los ancianos lo han invitado para servir en esta posición? ¿Siente usted que Dios también le ha puesto esto en el corazón para poder llevar en esta, estar en esta posición? ¿Entiende usted que en esta posición va a servirle a los uh, ancianos y a los miembros, pero más bien le va a servir a Dios? Como dice Colosenses 3, 3.23, dice, Hagan lo que hagan, trabajen de buena gana, como para el Señor y no para nadie en este mundo. Conscientes de que el Señor los recompensará con la herencia. Ustedes sirvan a Cristo el Señor. Pablo, sabiendo esto, ¿vas a ponerte firme en el, en el Señor?
4: Así es. Okay.
2: Brother Paulo Frasto came to Harmony Baptist Church for about a year and a half, or about a year and a half ago. Hermano Paulo Frasto vino aquí a Harmony Baptist Church como un año y medio, hace como año y medio He has made he made a comment that for two years he would pass by Harmony Baptist while attending another church in San Antonio. His desire was to attend here, but he didn't speak English. Él ha comentado de por dos años pasaba por aquí por enfrente de Harmony para atender otra iglesia en San Antonio. Él quería atender aquí, pero no sabía inglés. One day his daughter, Suri, who had been coming to Harmony for a while with her two children before she joined her husband in the military, was excited and went and told him that Harmony was starting a Spanish mission. Un día, su hija, Sudi, que había estado viendo aquí a Harmony con sus dos niños, antes de que se fuera a estar con su esposo en el ejército, se excitó y fue le dijo que aquí en Harmony se iba a comenzar una misión en español. He started coming, and pretty soon he started preaching a few Sundays a month, and the rest is history. Comenzó a venir aquí Y luego pronto estaba ya predicando aquí unos cuantos domingos por mes. Y lo demás es una historia. Brother Pablo y su wife Flor, o Godly People, they have devoted their lives to serving Christ. Hermano Pablo y su esposa Flor aman mucho a Cristo. Han dado toda su vida para servirle a Cristo. He accepted Christ at the age of 13 and he has testified he has never left that path. Él aceptó a Cristo a la edad de años y ha testificado que nunca He started evangelizing in all parts of Mexico. He came to America in 1984 or 85 and in about 95 he became a citizen. Él comenzó evangelán. Él estaba evangelizando en todas las partes de México. Vino para aquí para Estados Unidos en el año 84, 85 y como como 95 ciudadano. He and his wife have been married forty years. El esposo se 40 años. He has been a devoted and caring husband to Flor. Hermana Flor has been a wheelchair paralyzed from the chest down for over 26 years. Él ha sido un esposo dedicado y amando mucho a su esposa Flor. La esposa Flor ha estado en una silla de, de ruedas paralizada del pecho para abajo por más de 26 años. When she became ill, Brother Fausto was 34 years old and he asked God to tell him what to do for he was not going to leave his wife. Cuando se enfermó la hermana... Pablo tenía 34 años y le pidió a Dios que le dijera qué hacer porque no iba a dejar a su esposa. God has given him strength and love to carry his cross. Dios le ha dado fuerza y amor para poder acarrear esa cruz. He has said that only God gives him the joy to be a dutiful husband. I have yet to hear him complain or be agitated. He is an instrument of God. Ha dicho él que Dios es el que le da el gozo para poder ser un buen esposo. Nunca lo ha ido que se queje o que se agite a él. Brother Pablo is determined to speak English to preach a word. He is doing very well in the English class we started here at Harmony. One day you will hear him preach in English. Hermano Pablo está determinado a hablar inglés y predicar en inglés. Hasta Haciendo muy bien en la clase de inglés que comenzamos aquí en Harmony Un día de estos, ustedes lo van a oír predicar en inglés También una cosa, Pablo, es el único pastor que ha ido yo Que va y habla con las manzanas y los tomates y las limas Que la soba y todo y, y, y la fruta dice, mira este si sí sabe Cómo cuidarnos a escoge, Pablo is the only one, the only pastor I know that will talk to fruit. He talks to the tomatoes. He gets a tomato when he goes to the H E B and he feels the, the apples and lemons and and all that. And, and they say, well, he's the only one that cares about us. He feels for us. And this is the same way they say, he says that God feels for us. So he's a man that talks to the fruit.
0: I, I thought I understood what you were saying in Spanish, yeah. but I was like, no, he's not. You know, the, only, the only thing that. wrong here,
2: you know, I, I talked about Paulo in English and Spanish, but you didn't say anything in Spanish about him. <laughs>
0: Muy guapo y rico,
1: suave, inteligente, bien. Pretty
0: good, huh? Yeah,
2: that's good. Outstanding.
0: As it told us in the book of Acts, uh, when these men had been selected, uh, there was this process of laying hands. Now, when we say laying hands, it doesn't mean physically beating them up. Okay? So, everybody calm down, especially the brothers over here. Okay? It means coming forward and putting your hands upon somebody and praying that God will be a shield for them, that God will fill them with everything that is needed, and that God will watch over them going to ask Brother James, probably the other person in this room who's just as excited to have more deacons on staff, because for many years, James has been the only deacon, which means he gets all the tasks to do. Uh, so he is going to come forward, and he is going to lead us in prayer. Uh, once he gets up here, I'm going to ask first that, that family come forward, stand by. Uh, Pablo and Matt. Lay your hands upon them. I'm going to ask after the families are up here, friends, you follow. And then anybody else from the church that wants to come forward to, to pray around these men, feel free to do so.
4: I also will not be praying in Spanish either. Um, I am in the class trying to learn, but nowhere close. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we first thank you for your love. And as we lay hands on these two men, we thank you for the love you've placed in their heart, the love that has caused them to submit to your will and submit to this calling to serve not only you, but to serve your people. We ask, Lord, that you would give them the grace, give them the discernment, give them the wisdom to serve at your will. We thank you for all that you do in them and through them. And we thank you for our body that we have here that will help support them. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. (laughs)
0: Ask for everybody to go ahead and be seated, except for Pablo and Matt. Now we're going to give a moment here before we uh, we have a couple things for these two. Uh, We're going to give a moment though for each of them to speak. Um, I'm not so worried about our time with Brother Matt, but if you've been to Brother Frosto's sermons on Sunday mornings. Uh, I hope you're comfortable. We do have food afterwards. If you guys think I go long, I got competition with Brother Frasto. Uh, if, if you haven't heard him preach, we love it because I've actually had people tell him we need to turn his mic down and I'm like, he doesn't have a mic. <laughs> we can still hear him back there. But uh, that's the kind of passion that he preaches with. Matt, did you
3: want to say a few words? <laughs> Uh, first, I want to give uh thanks and glory to god for for all that he 's done um, if it wasn 't for him this wouldn't this wouldn't happen i wouldn't be here um, i want to i 'm humbled to 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 be called to serve and and do god 's work uh, I want to thank my family for the support and motivation over the years, uh, especially my wife um, being the driving force behind all all that um I wanna thank the church, uh, my other family, my church family, because a lot of y'all inspire me to do these things, uh, step up and, and, and motivate me. Uh, so thank y'all for that. Thank my youth, uh, any of my youth here? tolula's there, some of my youth, okay. Uh, thank y'all, Damien. I mean, y'all uh, y'all motivate me to, to always keep growing and always keep getting better. Um, Pastor Luke for uh, seen something in me that I couldn't see in myself. Um, Brother James for setting the the example of deaconship and always uh, giving his guidance and his word. Uh, Brother Joe as well for all his support and his guidance. So thank you all.
0: (laughs) Un poquito, Pablo.
2: El otro pastor, cada rato se pasa mucho, pero bueno, está bien. En, en el estudio en español los miércoles, la esposa tiene que moverle, ya, 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 y dice, es muy importante, es muy importante, y le sigue todavía, le sigue, hasta que ya le cortan el micrófono.
4: pero bueno, quiero uh, agradecer, uh, si me puede, todos please. Quiero agradecer primera, primeramente a Dios. God first. También agradecer a hermano pastor Luke, but also uh, y, Luke, y a hermano Joe, y el hermano Joe por uh, y a ustedes como iglesia a ustedes como iglesia and you all as a church, por eh uh, el el, reci, el recibirnos con, por did. por uh, a mi esposa y a mí to con ese ese amor que hemos nos han demostrado en este tiempo. For that love that you all have demonstrated to him and his wife. Nos hemos sentido en familia. We have felt like we are in family. Uh, es difícil cuando no se tiene la misma lengua. It's difficult when we don't have the same tongue, but we don't speak the same language, pero la manifestación del amor no no existe esa barrera. But the manifestation of love, there is no difference. Agradezco <laughs> el tiempo y la confianza. I appreciate the time and the confidence. Por la oportunidad que me han brindado de servir como siempre ha sido mi mi, mi vida. For the opportunity to serve as his life has always been a servant. Gracias y no les vamos a fallar. Thank you and we will not lead you astray. <laughs> Agradezco a hermano familia Hermano Antonio González, agradezco a la familia, a la hija, a, digo, a la hermana de mi esposa, se parecen, ¿eh? Sí. Son cuatas. Sí. Y a sus sobrinos también, a nuestro hermano. Eh. Pero es Hernández, ¿verdad? ¿eh? Hernández. Y eh, también hasta aquí mi sobrino eh, Abdías. También está su esposa. Amén. ¿Quién más está? Nos visitaron. Yo creo que son todos, ¿verdad? Sí. Y las, las sobrinas, ¿verdad? Las gemelas. las gemelas. Esas son gemelas. Sobrinas. Toda la familia de mi, de mi esposa. This ¿verdad? is all his
2: family from his wife's side.
4: Hermanos, gracias por haber venido. Nos sentimos muy honrados. Y bueno, Dios les bendiga, hermanos. El Señor les guarde. God bless you.
0: We just have a, a couple things for you guys. First off, we have an ordination certificate. Here you go, man. Congratulations, brother. And then it has been um, my tradition to give out to our deacons a, a, a compass. And the compass has uh, IHS on it, which for us means in his service. And it's just to remind us that wherever we are, wherever we get lost, whenever we don't know what direction to go, that the only thing that really matters in those moments is for us to put our eyes back on Christ and take whatever steps are necessary to get closer to him. So, gentlemen, thank you very much.
4: Thank you.
0: Oh I can't sit down. Yes, right there are
1: there.
0: um we're gonna go ahead and I'm gonna pray for the food. Uh what uh, I'm gonna ask for can is you present them first. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh ladies and gentlemen,
2: hombres y mujeres represento a los diácaros nuevos, the new deacons, Pablo
4: and Matt. I'm going to go ahead and
0: pray for the food. Um, what I'm going to ask is family, if you wouldn't mind just staying in here, we'll get a couple pictures with you guys, with your family members. Uh, those of you who aren't ma- uh, mem- or not family members, feel free after the prayer to go ahead and head back to the fellowship hall. We've got uh, food and refreshments for everybody, uh, and then we'll eat and have a good time. All right, let me bless the food. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come together in your house, to glorify you, Lord, and to be reminded of our call to serve, Lord. I pray that each and every one of us in this church that we are growing day in and day out and we are coming constantly closer and closer into your love, into your power, into your self-discipline. Father, we thank you for the example that you've given in these two men. We pray that you'll watch over them and their families. And we pray, Lord, that as we dismiss from here and go to eat, that you will let this food nourish our bodies and the conversation nourish our souls. Father, we love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, everybody.